You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. So my name is Scott Sokol, and I am the uh, pastor over at One Vision, formerly known as Opportunity Village. And I've, I was there for four years in the cottages. I'd come out of a ministry position south of Mason City. Was over there for four years in the cottages and just loved it, uh, providing personal care for folks that, uh, with disabilities. And uh, just really was having a blast there. <clears throat> and then Pastor Rich Murray, who was the pastor, retired, and they asked me if I was interested in the position. And I was just, I was very excited. I'd been praying for God's will, was hoping maybe he was going to lead me back into ministry. And so I've got a kind of a unique uh, perspective. How many of you have been over to uh, the campus in Clear Lake? A few of you here? So I, was, I worked with, uh, with uh, the people we support in the cottages on campus. There were services uh, there on campus. And then I've been there through the transition where we've moved most of our individuals into community homes. And some people have an opinion that it's a bad thing what's happening over there. But I'm in a unique position because I visit about 40 properties every six weeks. I'm in the homes with folks. I'm visiting. I'm praying with them. And I can kind of compare it to... Back when I was in the military, years and years ago, we all got up the same time, we all ate the same food, we all went to work at the same place, and, you know, that's what it was, and I enjoyed that, and that's kind of what it was like, in my opinion, for the people we support when they were on campus. But now they're in private homes, instead of them being in duplexes with eight people on each side, they're in private homes of three to five people, they do their own shopping, uh, they're uh, they're at, at various activities according to their desires. In the last 12 months, we've placed almost 100 people in a community employment. And so I feel very honored to be a part of that organization and will continue to be there as long as uh, the Lord allows me to. I do, uh, I do weddings uh, for staff. I've done a number of funerals. I do big events. I do one-on-one meetings. And I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions after the service. There's my little soundbite for, uh, for one vision. Um, I got to say, it's my privilege to have known the Dollins for about 10 years. And uh, I don't know, a few of you maybe were involved in our children's festivals we were doing over in the Monroe Park a number of years ago, and then over in the Georgia Hanford Park. And so I've got a lot of respect for Jeff and Janie. And again, it's a privilege uh, for me to be able to count them as, as my friends. So I'm really, I really feel fortunate to be with you here today. Let me get a drink of water here before I begin. So I want to talk to you today about what I consider to be one of the greatest struggles we face in our culture. I'm not talking about the price of gas or the increased cost of living. I'm not talking about financial stress or personal conflicts. It's not pride or anger, impatience or even discouragement What I consider to be one of the greatest struggles we face in our day-to-day is in dealing with anxiety. Now, we use different names to describe this condition. We might say that we are under stress or that we're stressed out. We might say that we're worried or concerned, but it's pretty much all the same condition. And I would be tempted to say that all anxiety is sin. But when I think about our world today, the uncertainty of our future, both here at home and abroad, I think a little bit of worry is only natural. 
But the kind of worry that concerns me that has no business being a part of our life is that worry that creeps into our lives and it chokes out the fruit of God's word in our hearts. And it ruins that relationship, puts a block between us, that relationship that we long to have and strive to have. That's the kind of worry that concerns me. It's the kind that chokes us and that strangles us. Now, a lot has been written about anxiety. One person wrote, stress is a confusion created when one's mind overrides one body's desire to choke the living daylights out of some fool that deserves it. <laughs> now, that's stress, one kind of stress. And stress doesn't seem to affect everyone, and children are a classic example of this. Art Linkletter, how many people are old enough to know who Art Linkletter was? There's a few of us, right? Art Linkletter was known for his interviews with children and often got them to say the most amazing things. Once he was talking to a young boy who looked kind of tough, and Art asked him, son, what does your dad do for a living? And the boy grabbed the microphone away from Art, and he said, my dad's a cop. And he says, oh, really? He says, yeah, he catches crooks and burglars, and he spread eagles them, and he cuffs them, and he drags them down, and he throws them into the slammer. And Art said, oh, really? I bet your mother worries about your dad's job. And he said, no, she doesn't worry. He always brings home lots of watches and rings and jewelry. She doesn't worry at all. <laughs> there was an elderly, elderly woman being interviewed after a conference at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. She was extremely upbeat and positive, and she was asked if she was always that way. She responded, I learned not to worry years ago. I didn't get married until I was 36, and then over the next nine years, we had eight kids, including two sets of twins. And I never worried about getting married. She said, I actually did a simple thing when I was a student here at Moody. I got a pair of, a pair of men's pants, and I threw them over my bed, and I prayed. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. Now, a minister who was there decided to use this story in his sermon. And on that Sunday, one of the families were only half there. You see, the father and the son had gone to church while the mother and daughter had stayed home. Well, a week or so later, the woman who had missed the sermon wrote the pastor a note that she was worried about her son. He was about 15 years old. And she said, for the last few days, there's been a bikini hanging over his bed. <laughs> What's all that about? I can get away with it here, right? <laughs> On a more serious note, I'd like to share a quote from Corey Tinboom that has really touched my heart over the years. Corey Timboom once wrote, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but instead it empties today of its strength. Think about that for a moment. Think about the things that burden your heart. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but instead it empties today of its strength. That's the kind of worry that concerns me. It's the kind that eats away at us from the inside, and it robs us of our joy 
and our peace that belong to us as followers of Christ. With that in mind, I'd like us to turn our attention to Philippians chapter 4, where we will look at some very practical instruction on dealing with anxiety. Let me read that passage for us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. There Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here Paul gives us a, a, a three-step process for dealing with anxiety. He says, rejoice always, do not be anxious about anything, and to pray about everything. Let me pray for us as, as we continue. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here this morning in your church with your people. And I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would cast everything from our mind that would, that would vie for our attention, Lord. Uh, worries about tomorrow, uh, things from yesterday. Help us to focus in here today, Lord God. I pray you would speak to our hearts. And more than anything, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in our lives, in the things that we say, in the things that we do, and even in our thoughts. And I pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so the first step in dealing with worry and anxiety is to rejoice. Now, the Webster's Dictionary defines rejoice as to be glad or to take delight in. Now, that sounds good, but when you're worried about the future, when you've got a mountain of bills to pay, when someone you care about is sick or injured, or when you're suffering some other kind of trial, to be glad or to take delight is probably the last thing in your mind. But notice here that Paul tells us not just to rejoice, but he says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And so the strength to endure difficulties with joy in our hearts, it comes from the Lord. It comes from being in him. It comes from a clear understanding that God is in control in our lives. We read in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. A very familiar verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We're very familiar with this verse, but just think about it for a moment. Regardless of what's going on in your life today, God has a plan for you, and it's a good plan. It's a plan to give you a hope and a future. Praise God for that. Being able to rejoice in the Lord comes from a clear understanding that God is in control. God is in control. And he works through difficult circumstances for our benefit. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So the question is, do we love him today? 
This is how we rejoice in the Lord. As we read God's promises, and as we remain in him, the anxiety in our lives is passed away, and we are filled with a deep and an abiding joy knowing that God is in control. Verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You know, when we let anxiety rule our hearts, we are filled with things like impatience, anger, depression, and conflict. But when we commit ourselves to rejoicing in the Lord, we display things like gentleness and patience and joy. Not much of a choice, is it? Why? Because the Lord is near. Jesus is coming back. He could come back today. And friends, this time when he leaves, he's going to take us to be with him. No more anxiety, no more suffering, no more tears. That's how we can rejoice in the Lord. So we're told to rejoice in the Lord, and then Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Now, again, that sounds great on paper, but when you're struggling just to pay the bills and buy groceries, when there's conflicts at work, when there's relationship problems, when you have difficulties in your family, how is that possible? When I think about all the things that can rob us of our joy and burden us, it reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha found in Luke chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there with me. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. There we read. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat listening at his feet. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She, come to the, she came to the Lord and asked, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus said, you are worried and upset about so many things when only one is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. And friends, just like Martha, there are so many things in our lives that can, that can choke us spiritually and fill us with anxiety. And when we, so when we find ourselves being worried, what we do next is very important. What we do next is crucial. And so being like Mary, instead of being anxious, we are to pray. We are to sit at the Lord's feet and cry out to him in prayer. The text tells us, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so prayer is the key in our battle against anxiety. Prayer is the key. But you know what, friends? Sometimes the first prayer needs to be a prayer of confession because we've got a part in that problem that we're, that we're dealing with. We read in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities 
have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so, friends, sometimes our first prayer needs to be a prayer of confession. We need to clear the airways because unconfessed sin can hinder our prayer life. So Paul says to pray about everything, but you know, prayer isn't something that we just automatically know how to do when we come to Christ. As a matter of fact, the disciples came to the Lord and asked, asked him, how should we pray? And he gave them the beautiful Lord's Prayer. Maybe some of you here today find yourselves a little bit disorganized or unprepared in your own prayer life. I know that was my condition at one time. And so I'd like to share with you a guide that I've been using for ever since I came to Christ when I was 18 years old. And there should be a copy of this guide that was in your bulletin. It's called the Acts Prayer Guide. And I pray this way every day. Acts is an acronym that stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So I start my prayers every day in adoration. I thank God for who he is. I thank him for his attributes. Lord God, thank you, you are holy. Thank you, Lord, you are supreme. Thank you, Lord God, that you are omnipotent. You are all-powerful. You are omniscient. You are all-knowing. You are omnipresent. You are everywhere at the same time. Lord, I don't understand that, but I believe it. Lord, thank you that you have an unchanging nature. You're not changing and shifting like our culture today. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So start with adoration. Next, it's, it's time for confession. And anytime I'm praying in the morning, if I can't think of anything to confess, all I need to do is ask the Holy Spirit and I'll have a whole list of things that I need to pray for. <laughs> Lots of things wrong with Scott Sokol. I can tell you that. And then Thanksgiving. And you know, even on your worst day, how about just thanking God for another day above ground? Lord God, thank you that I've got air in my lungs to breathe. I've got blood pumping through my veins. This is part of your provision for me. Lord, thank you I've got a safe place to stay. Lord, thank you I've got food in the refrigerator. There's always something to be thankful about. And then lastly, supplication. This is where we bring our request before the Lord. I like to pray for others before I pray for myself. I know people that keep a prayer journal who write down all their prayer requests and then they mark them off when they are answered. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. And friends, as we pray consistently, as we meet with the Lord daily in a time of Bible reading, looking for him to speak to our hearts, verse 7 tells us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we lay our worries and anxiety on the altar of prayer, God replaces it with peace, with real peace, the peace of God. And that peace, it guards us, it protects us, and it keeps us safe. Now, I would like to tell you that as a man who has known the Lord for quite a few years, that worry is not a problem for me. I'd like to tell you that as, that as someone who is a pastor that's been in ministry for a number of years, that I don't have a problem with anxiety and worry, but that wouldn't be true, friends, because I do worry sometimes. My, well, the Lord has given me a beautiful wife and five beautiful daughters, and I worry for their safety. 
I worry about the kind of men that they will marry one day, if they're going to cherish them and lead them in their faith. I worry about unsaved relatives. Sometimes I fret over finances and, and bills, the future. Maybe some of you share those same worries or have other worries that plague you. Well, friends, I'd really like to encourage you, do not let stress and worry choke the fruit of God's word out of your life. Do not let it rob you of your peace and your joy that belong to you as Christ followers. But instead, join with me in this practice of rejoicing always, not being anxious about anything, and praying about everything. And friends, as we do that consistently, God will give us that peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of being here with you this morning. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.